On today's episode, I interviewed Sam Joseph, who was a strength and conditioning coach at the high school level. We covered a lot of different topics. Some were including just the misconceptions at the high school level um, that a lot of these uh, this age group has uh, with just around training, around goals, what strength and conditioning is actually doing. And then we kind of expand more into the actual goals of strength and conditioning um, kind of that it is more of a science than just picking things up, putting them down, or running around in circles. So we kind of got a little bit more into the specifics of that um, to, again, show you why you're doing these things. We talked about training around injury and different um, strategies that you could do for that, uh, as well as he just kind of went over his plan and what he does with his athletes at his level. So this is a really great listen, I think, for athletes at the high school level, especially just understanding, again, all these things just that, like I said before, it's not just the, it, there is reasoning behind everything. And we kind of explain a little bit about the why and some different tips. And also if for any coaches, uh, whether that be sports coaches or just strength conditioning coaches at this level, um, they could probably get some good uh, info from this as well. So without further ado, here it is. Welcome to No Weak Links with Patrick Wood. The purpose of this podcast is to help you learn up-to-date evidence-based content and knowledge through life experiences. This podcast is perfect for athletes, coaches, parents of athletes, or any active person looking to improve their fitness or athletic ability. So please, have a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to No Week Links. I'm Patrick Wood, your host. And today I have on um, Sam Joseph, who is a current strength and conditioning coach at St. Edmunds College and also with the Q2 Wildcats netball team. Uh, I brought him on to talk about uh, specifically kind of hone in more on youth athletes at the high school-ish level. Uh, I had some prior experience in the past, and he's been coaching at this level for a while, so I thought this could kind of help um, help those athletes understand a little bit more um, about this and give them some tips. So first off, Sam, if you don't mind just kind of introducing yourself, maybe tell a little bit about yourself, why you got into strength and conditioning, um, uh, education-wise, and your work experience. Cool. Uh, thanks, Patrick. Thanks for having me on, mate. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so history, kind of how I got an S&C. So, of course, you go through school and you love playing sport. And I realized pretty early on that I was never really going to be the best athlete around. Um, but the thought of, you know, working nine to five in an office really wasn't what I was interested in. And, uh, you know, loving sport and having half a brain um, kind of leads you, know, you kind of go to the path of sports science or PE teaching and I was dead keen on not being a teacher, um, so it kind of led me to sports science. Um, but then up, up until, you know, first year of uni, um, did my undergraduate UQ, uh, University of Queensland, sorry, um, I was kind of thinking biomechanics was going to be the way to go or maybe even sports psych, and I realized pretty pretty early on that was definitely not the way. Um, so, yeah, went through second and third year, really enjoyed anatomy and the coaching side of it, managed to do my my practical placement at the Queensland Reds Rugby Union um, team and hmm. that was mainly S&C but it was sports science as well and I just loved that and uh, you know being involved so closely with the players and you know helping them get to where they want to be and I thought yeah it's just, this is this is the way to go um, and so kind of committed from there on out got a bit of experience at, uh, at a high school locally um, doing some stuff just some really really casual part-time stuff um, pe- personal training on the side then got was lucky enough to get a gig with Winter Manly Seagulls Rugby Union, uh, uh, Rugby League, sorry. So I was doing some S&C there, you know, 20 hours a week um, for about a year. And I was about to start up again, and then I was lucky to get the job at St. Edmunds. Um, and that's a school out of Nipswich, 
Uh, so we have about 1,100 boys, uh, and we compete every Saturday in up to 13 sports. So it's a pretty pretty big range there. There's some pretty good athletes through there. Um, so that's more or less the history of where I'm at now, and still do some stuff with some the QT Wildcat. Oh, sorry, the Wildcats netball team. Um, that's something else on the side, you know, dealing with women um, and how different compares to, you know, as, as you can imagine, adolescent boys is pretty different. Um, it's a bit of a change, so kind of covering both ends there. Um, but yeah, I just love s and It's great to be able to help people, not just athletes, but people get to where they want to go um, yeah. and try and help them perform as best they can. Um, so that's more or less where I'm at right now, uh, S&C, so... Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. Uh, so what kind of made you, or what do you like a lot about kind of working at that level with the youth kind of um, high school level for the with the guys? Uh, well, apart from you can pretty much do anything with them, they'll get stronger, so make sure it's pretty good. <laughs> um, good no, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really special population. Uh, between boys and girls, I'm not sure there's that much difference until, mm-hmm. you know, you start to hit that late puberty, almost adolescent time frame. Um, it's good because you get a chance to really help shape where they go, um, and I kind of see them as stem cells. Um, you wanna, you wanna give them as much as possible, and they could go any of fifteen thousand different routes. You know, you might find you have so pretty much they come in as a eleven, twelve year old, and you would hope that you know they can move okay because they've done a bit when they're a kid, just running around playing sport or you know coordinations there, um, and you see them kind of develop into okay, this guy might be a a big strong bloke who's going to play rugby union and he really enjoys that physicality you might see the guy that's highly technical and highly coordinated might go towards a sport like uh, cricket or tennis or something like that so you can kind of help them that way and you've got your guys in the middle there might be something like football or soccer um, and so you get to help these kids get to a point where they get to make that decision and you can give them almost you know if you do your job well enough you can give them the skills to almost succeed in anything and then a matter of when they get to the point in time they might go uh, to a development academy to a college to a even to a maybe a pro team shout out um, you can you mm-hmm. more or less say okay you've got all the basics there so the guys the S&C's the performance coaches there can say alright cool he's at a really good level it's just about you know putting the finishing touches on and whether that's you know high level power stuff the high level player stuff but he's strong enough and I think that's the good part about the youth level because you can do so much as well like with the personalities like you know you can really try and help them become not only good athletes, but good people as well. Whereas in pro sports, sometimes you might get some people that they're phenomenal athletes, but they can be real, you know, not people you really want to hang out with on a Saturday afternoon type thing. So you can really have a good imprint and then teach them the right thing. So when they get to the point in time where they're fending for themselves, they know between right and wrong and they know what they're trying to do, they can educate them. And they're just generally good people and good athletes. So I think that's what I love most about working with this kind of population, particularly with boys as well. Boys can be you know uh, whilst boys probably have an easier time in puberty in some ways um, than girls it can still be you know they develop later mm-hmm. particularly mentally and uh, psychologically so you know if you can have a good change of them you can put them on a really really good start so they can thrive for the next 15, 20, 30 years of their life yeah and I feel like I mean a common misconception too I feel like is that um, or maybe it's just not taken as seriously at this level, whereas they think like when they it, people that go pro or pro athletes, they have the strength coaches and they have really, really high level coaches. Whereas you could almost argue that it's more important at these these young years to develop the the uh, the athlete overall. Whereas once they get up there, they're kind of already mostly developed, and you're just kind of fine tuning the skills. Do you kind of agree on that, or have anything to expand on it? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it can be really 
like a lot that is a common misconception particularly among the younger boys mm-hmm. um, or the kids that have just kind of been good like they just think the pro athletes they just get there and they've just got it um, or on the other flip side um, particularly in some of the skill based sports it don't really well the, the gym or the weight room is not really where their forte type thing rugby is usually not too bad but you know you sports like basketball or tennis or cricket mm-hmm. um, they're really technically the high skill based sports they just think nah it's just skill based it's just skill based it's just skill based um, and the, the half the battle can teach them hang on like you know this can really help you and a lot of the issues you're having is because one you're not strong enough to you don't have the mental resilience or you know there are easy things that you struggle with now that you kind of see it's just like oh that just happens um, but you know we can fix so yeah it definitely goes both ways and that it is that's probably the hardest part apart from you know educating your athletes and you know what they should be doing in the in the gym the weight room and conditioning and stuff like that it was just trying to get into them. No, it doesn't just happen by chance. Very few athletes get there by chance, and I suppose there are some people that just get there because they're just either so fast or they're so talented or they just get it, but mm-hmm. they're one in a million, yeah. realistically. Yeah. Um, and then a part of that, too, is role modeling. So one I like to use a lot is, so we have got a strong basketball program at St. Edmunds, um, and one, they come around now, but... Uh, they say, oh, nah, Steph Curry just shoots. And it's like, oh, not really. Like, yeah. like, if you, like, Steph's great. He's a great player. But you look at LeBron. I mean, LeBron, whilst, you know, very, very talented early on, mm-hmm. worked really hard. Mm-hmm. But the time he spends in the gym, when you actually say, I think there was a sat that came around. And you can embellish it a little bit that he spends up to a million dollars a year on getting his body right. And you think, well, that's probably chump change for him in some ways. But, you know, he put that much work yeah. into himself. So he's right to play. Like, it doesn't just happen by chance. And even, like, you know, Kevin Durant to an extent, like, yeah. whilst he's not the strongest bloke on court, he still is obviously elite and at the highest end of elite possible. He still does gym work to make sure he's okay. He's doing a heap now. Like, he can't come back from an Achilles rupture without having gym programs. Same with Clay. Um, you know, you can go through any range of top athletes. Kobe would have done so much work in the gym to get back from his Achilles rupture as well. So, and it's often just about finding that, you know, it's not all about skill. Like it obviously helps, but you need to make sure that you're trying to seal that. Okay, you don't have to be the best in the gym, but you need to have an appreciation for the work that you need to do. Yeah. On top of that as well. But yeah, that is one of the tough parts with youth athletes. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, just kind of going over some other, I guess, misconceptions or just kind of mistakes at the level. Um, just, I mean, even I guarantee I made them as well because you just you don't know as much as you do when you kind of get experience and you go into that field specifically. So just. Um, some common things I saw at that level when I was working there was so training to just add muscle because they think adding muscle is going to be their main key of getting better or improving. Um, and then another one was just not really knowing what each exercise does, I guess, and just kind of doing it for the reason of they see other people do it. And then going in with no plan and just kind of going around, I'll just do some arms over here and do some whatever, and just not having any sort of ideas. So do you want to expand on those two and kind of if, whether yeah. you're or not? Absolutely. And it, it, it's a really good point. The like kids, it's amazing the wild, like the wildly varying um, thoughts that kids can have. Some kids <laughs> think they'll never get big. Most think they'll get big pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's obvious they don't understand physiology yeah. uh, because, you know, the first part of, getting stronger is improving your, your coordination and you know how, how strong the neural signal are yep. and kids don't understand that like when you first tell them go no nah, you're not going to get big for you know well you've probably got about six months of learning yep. 
better coordination. And then if you've gone through puberty, if you have the right amount of testosterone and if you do the right training, then you might start seeing some difference and they just, their jaw hits the yeah. floor and just goes, oh, this is going to suck. And that's yeah. where you can tell which kids actually really want it. Yeah. Um, but it's really, really important to not, not squash their hopes and dreams. Like, you know, you got to reinforce, like, it'll happen eventually, but it'll only happen if you put in the work. So that's where the value of education, you've really got to educate and coach your kid, or your athletes and say, hey, look, you know, it's not going to happen in a day. But mm. if you do the right things, it'll absolutely happen. It just It's just going to take time. And I find as well, if you can explain whilst, you know, we know the physiology or most s and sports science, we know the physiology of how you get stronger, how you put down muscle very, very well, or at least have a good understanding of it. And if you try to, if you explain rate coding or testosterone or anything like that to a kid, they just go, oh man, that's, that's too much. You got to relate back to your athlete. And that's most coaching as well. And say, look, if you can break it down in their words and kind of say, hey, one I like to use is for, for football players and soccer players, like, when you first start playing, you don't know, just have the touch. You can't dribble. You can't do a career turn. You can't do anything. But you get better pretty quick the more you do it. Mm-hmm. And that gym is the same. Like with the squat pattern, you'll get way stronger in a squat. If you come with, if you come see me twice a week and we do twenty squats a day, I guarantee you, you'll get you'll almost double your squat within four weeks just because mm-hmm. you're getting so much better at that movement. And when you've exhausted that pattern, at least initially, we'll start seeing some change. And when you put it in those terms, they kind of go, oh. Okay, that makes sense. And they come in a couple of times and you keep their expectations realistic. They go, okay, yeah, I'm getting stronger. And usually, like, with mostly with boys, unless like you know, they're at that far end of the spectrum, they'll usually go, okay, um, I'm not going to expect massive change. But their squat, they might go be able to do 40 kilos for 10 and they might be able to do 60 kilos for 10 within a couple of weeks. And I think that's, that's a pretty... If you picked up a kid at 14, 15 years old, mm-hmm. never been in the gym before, but can move a right... That's probably a reasonable improvement that could probably happen, I would mm-hmm. think. As with a bit of cueing, a bit of technique correction, you know, I don't think it'd be too far out of the ordinary twice a week. I think most people probably see more than that as well, depending on how they are. Um, as long as you know they're at the right time in their development. Um, but really teaching them how, okay, to, their expectation is going to take time. Often, find role modeling can be useful as well. So we're pretty lucky in our gym program. We've got a lot of kids, also, also, a lot, sorry, across a lot of different age groups. So. Our grade sevens and grade eights are 11, 12, 13-year-olds. See our 17, 18-year-olds in the gym and go, oh, okay, look, he's pretty strong. He's lifting big weights. And they can kind of role model and say, hey, yeah, but I was doing the same weights as you are now. And I've come in this many times. Mm. And that goes, and they look up to them like that. And that's a, that's a really, really good way, particularly for boys. Boys love that role modeling experience. And our school's kind of based around that, which does help. And they can kind of say, oh, yeah, I'm actually on the right track. And that's a good justification. Go, yeah, I'll keep on coming, keep on coming. It'll be good. No. Um, and then a bit of good coaching along the way as well you need to make sure you're coaching well um, and like what you said with boys just coming and doing whatever um, educating them early it's like okay, we're on the program like this is our program this is what we're doing if you do this program you know you'll get there eventually that's, that's what will happen but a good coach and of course as it comes down to logistics like I know uh, at our facility so I service I'm the only coach for 1100 kids I won't see them all at once of course but there could be times where we have a gym session of up to 45, 50 people in a long time. So, of course, it's going to be tough to get everyone through. And you try and keep your little leads to less than that. But making sure you're, you know, they know their rule, the rules of the gym and the weight room. They know what they should be doing. And policing it pretty well definitely helps. And they will stay away from those things. Or also, like, a bit, a bit of a reward thing. Uh, another thing that we do is, okay, if you come and do your program, all right, cool. Then we can start talking about if we've got time after, Maybe you can do some. Maybe you can do a little bit of curls just to kind of have a go. 
or mm. um, you know, or if you do this program for me twice a week, we can talk about doing some extra stuff at the end of the second program or coming for a third day and some other stuff. And it's probably not going to help him too much. I mean, he's got a 14-year-old that's just in puberty. Let's Yeah, let's curl some five-kilo weights a couple of times. Again, probably not going to change too much of their bicep mm-hmm. size, but it's definitely going to like, they still get that reward and go, hey, I'm still curling kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you've almost ticked off as well. Okay. And you've desensitized them to it and go, oh, okay, yeah, they know how to curl now and they realize it's not all that special. Mm-hmm. It actually kind of hurts a lot if you're doing it right, <laughs> which is almost <laughs> worse. Um, so they get that exposure to it as well. So it, it is, you know, multifaceted, making sure you're educating well. Of course, some kids will just lose their lid and go, nah, stuff this, I'm out. And that happens. Kids will like that. Adults will like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you just hope that eventually they see their mates do it and go, oh, okay, maybe I need to commit to this now. And they'll, they'll learn. Um, but you know you can't please everyone you're never going to have if I mean if I had 1100 kids in the gym at once I'd be like well this is too hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) as everyone else would be so um, you're not going to get anyone but if you can kind of stick to within those realms you'll probably go okay yeah and I think it's kind of like two-sided whereas like you said slow consistency is going to be the best that's going to get them the greatest results in the end but also at the same time with being at that age group going through puberty um, being active and just never lifting before, they're also kind of at their peak to uh, progress as quickly as possible at the same time, I guess, throughout mm. their um, lifting career, I guess. So that's kind of another point as well, I think. Yeah, that's right as well. I mean, they, you know, they're going to see results. Like, it just depends on the fragrance they're coming in. Like, if they're sure. coming in twice a week and they get, and they, like, they're going to see so much, even once a week. Yeah. Like, um, and, I suppose you kind of look good as a strength coach. I did joke about it before, but you kind of look good because, yeah. or if you, as long as you're teaching them to move okay and like not you know within good realms, you know you get the right movement patterns with their squat, they're pushing, they're pulling, they're whatever. As long as they're doing the basic stuff and the big complex stuff like the big combat movements, like a squat and a push up or something like that, they're going to get so much stronger anyway. Yeah, and they're growing. They're going to get stronger regardless. So you do look like a bit of a genius sometimes. <laughs> But and it's all—it's really just some good programming, good coaching. True. So, and like they're in this point in time where, and they'll feel like Superman as well when they do it. So you got to yeah. kind of temper them back that way. I know mm-hmm. a group of grade tens at the moment that are, you know, have done some great time. Like they've done four years of gym on and off, more or less. So they had a fair bit of exposure as a 15, 16 year old. But now they're thinking of Superman. So you got to bring it back down a little bit as well. Yeah. But you are dead right. Like they will, they will have this moment of where they just go, "Oh my god, I can lift so much weight." Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, and then you to control them and say, all right, boys, let's calm down a bit. <laughs> yeah. And then kind of going back to that point as well that we talked about earlier with um, just not like adding muscle isn't most or depending on your goals. It's not always the goal. Um, there's a lot more mm. strength and conditioning. It's a science as you were talking about and kind of two big, uh, two big goals of it is to increase performance and reduce the risk of injury. So do you kind of want yeah. to expand on those two, I guess, and talk about to, like, so, so an athlete comes in who wants you know, I want to get big. And you're like, well, I'm mm. redirecting you here. These are your two goals, not to get big. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, part of that too is like, you can't just tell them flat out, no, you can't yeah, do that. Because um, they'll just go, oh, again, again, boys, like most boys are just going to stuff this. Like, I don't give a crap about you. Like, you're just talking crap to me. I'll go find somewhere else that, you know, fill, that can fill me up and make me go like that. Um, but no, you, that's, that's the biggest part of it. You know, we're getting stronger because we all, like most of us know that strength is ultimately what underpins power, what underpins performance. Mm-hmm. Um, strength is pretty much king. The more the stronger you are in more planes of motion, the more resilient you are, the more robust you are, um, the less things are going to hurt you. And in, you know, in kids sport, like even up to, you know, you see the guy, the freaks that come through like Zion, um, they just bullied everyone throughout the junior <laughs> age groups and they get to seniors and they, you know, 
he's pretty good even at senior level as well. Um, but you see those guys that are just stronger and say, hey, look, you may not look like that, but that's fine, but I can make you as strong as that if you commit to it kind of thing. So yeah, our, our programs, or at least my programs anyway, we always focus on we need to get stronger and we will get stronger. Um, volume is, uh, and the, the muscle density and the muscle size comes secondary to that just yeah. because of um, you know the way physiology works with kids. Yeah. If you're lucky, you might get a couple of big kids early on and they might have already hit puberty and gone through peak high velocity so they're probably going to put down some muscle pretty easily mm. and they're going to get real strong real quick and they're, they're dangerous because they'll be those kids that just run through everyone for you yeah. Um, but yeah you really do have to harp on like okay boys the stronger you are the better you'll be and you can kind of phrase it a bit to them as well if they're a skinnier kid and say hey look if you you know you can kind of almost surprise people with it like you we typically deal with rugby league rugby union athletes um, and they go oh yeah but that guy's so much bigger and so much stronger than me but then you can kind of turn it back, oh, well, what if you got strong, worked really hard, and then you turned around in a game, because you're so strong, you flipped him on his head, and they go, everyone goes, oh, wow, I don't want to run against this guy, I don't want to play against this guy. And they kind of go, oh, yeah, that's, that's not a bad idea. Um, and then for the sports that are more like, that are less contact, like your basketballs, your tennis, and you kind of go, hey, or even, you know, fo- football for that matter, you go, hey, look, for tennis, like, if I can make your bench press up like 10 kilos, That'll probably help you serve 20Ks faster. And for a kid that's maybe smaller, gets around by running, that's going from serves that goes in and well-placed to a serve that's well-placed and probably getting an unplayable return back or in, you know, in football. What if I can take your ball 10Ks an hour faster and that's going past the, go- the, the, um, that's going past the goalie much faster or, or you know, for a big in basketball, you're tall and lanky and you're, like, you're six foot nine and you're 65 kilos, but what if I can make you, you know, 68 kilos, but you can bully anyone that's 100 kilos kind of thing. You put it to in that phrase, yeah. and they just kind of go, oh, yeah, cool, and they kind of realize that you know, strength is cool, and they start lifting and getting stronger, and they go, oh, no, this is actually pretty fun. And when they, it bite, and before you know it, you know, they're at a body weight and a half squat. They're at a two times body weight trap bar. Mm-hmm. Bench press, the, the upper body movements tend to lag a fair bit, given like you know they are usually a bit longer. They take a bit more time to get there. Mm-hmm. And because you know, most kids in most sports are on their legs all day, yeah. so that, that's what gets stronger. Whereas upper body, that can take a bit of time. Yeah. So you have to temper their emotions that way a bit. But absolutely, strength is, you know, strength is always king. Yeah. And when you're, if you're lucky, you get a few smart kids as they get older. You can kind of try and explain. You, know, you can go a bit of physics on them and say, all right, well... Power is just how fast you can apply speed, uh, apply strength. Sorry. So you know, if we, you know, F equals ma. If we can, if we can improve the force, keep the mass the same. What's in, you know, what's improving kind of thing, like you know, improve acceleration. And they go, and some of the smarter kids get, oh yeah, that makes sense as well. Um, but more or less, and you'd probably figure it out now. Like it's more of a, if you can, if you can frame it in the way they see it, mm-hmm. they'll more or less buy in most times. But. And, and then you can kind of put in, you know, your undertones of, oh, yeah, strength is important or I like to do this exercise or that exercise. And as long as you can kind of frame it their way, they'll more than likely come around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a good point. Like strength, strength, getting stronger, it kind of encompasses all the goals because it does, it will increase the performance, like you said. It will, there's a lot of studies showing the stronger you are, the, it reduces injuries. Uh, they reduce the risk of injuries and then also Mm. like you said as well they're going to get bigger so that's their goal technically you're still even helping their goal yeah that's right and it's like it's not it's not tricking them but it's a little bit deceitful (laughs) but it's for for the better coaching is all that that's what coaching is it's kind of like convincing someone else that this is the way they should go because you want to go that way Um, and it's it's a bit roundabout but I mean Mm. that's what happens to the pros that's what happens at 
tactical coaching, it's all the same. It's just a different variation, a different application of it. Yeah. So what are some, I guess, common exercises that you see done incorrectly by this population or ones that you struggle with the most? And then kind of some, I guess, tips that you give the athlete to improve upon this? Um, oh, yeah. It's really depending on situation, I suppose. I find a lot – sometimes it's – depending on what program you're in, it really depends on – like each coach is the favorite exercise. They bring out a lot. Um, mine that I like to use a lot is a trap bar deadlift. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it because it's – uh, it's pretty easy to teach once they have a concept of you know keeping a neutral spine and being able to push the ground away from the floor. They just their eyes light up because they can lift so much more weight than they've ever thought of. Um, I find yeah, squats tend to be the big issue. Like I find a lot of boys they real that they can do the squat pattern as much, as well as you like. like actually, it's not too hard to teach them. They're actually not that far away, even though they you know they're sitting down all day at school. Um, it's about tempering them when they realise that you know they can load some weight on it and feel relatively okay about it, but then their depth changes. Yeah. So you, you got to... That's the biggest thing I find with uh, this age group is oh, particularly from the 15 to 18 years when they... You know, probably about two years of lifting when they start to realize a bit. Um, depending on your philosophy and how deep you want people squatting, I'm personally... Um, with kids, I'd like them to be as deep as possible Um at least for the moment anyway, when we start getting to the, you know, the 18, 19, 20s, their sport becomes more clear. So mm-hmm. that you're not trying to build them for everything. You're trying to build them for one. Um, yep. And if your sport doesn't require squatting ass to grass or even that, like most of the research says, you know, 90, look, as far as you can go, 90 degrees is probably about where you need to. Yep. Um, once you've got that, okay. But so it's about tempering them, making sure like, they might get to 15 and realize, oh yeah, I can squat. 40 kilos with you know bid least parallel but then you start putting it up and you see all right i'm gonna leave you alone for a little bit then you see them oh yeah i can squat 60 30 oh yeah cool no worries man what if, let's give us a look and they're squatting 60 but they're going 65 degrees um yeah. and so that's the hard bit you gotta kind of say look no we need to get this depth right sometimes it's genuinely from a it is hard to kind of realize what their true depth actually is because they might have some sort of bony protrusion or their hips just don't fit that way or they've got some ridiculous malformation. And part of it too is like a lot of these, a lot of kids are growing real quick these days that I see. Um, so, you know, they've got that Oshkosh sliders, all the severs, so they've got pain in that area. So you kind of have to mm-hmm. work around them. They, and you might, I find a lot, okay, I don't want you to stop squatting, yeah. but I want you to, you know, I don't want you to go into a pain hurt. So we'll squat to the point of where it just about to hurt. And then we'll come back up. And they got used to squatting three-quarter depth. And then as soon as their, their Oscar Slatters is gone, um, they're going, nah, we see how deep we squat. I'm like, nah, mate, we're going to bring you back a little bit and come back and say, oh, nah, because now you can. Yeah. Why are we leaving this on the table? But once you get to that higher levels you know, of, of sport, when they, you know, it's pretty clear they're going to be a one-sport or two-sport athlete type thing, um, then you can start to go, okay, we can start to sacrifice a bit of depth. I mean, of course, if you can squat you know, 120 degrees really, really well for the whole time, awesome, stick with it. Um, but I'd, that's probably the biggest thing for me, making sure they maintain their squat depth throughout the time and just kind of adjusting to say it goes. Um, bench, press and be- bench presses are probably the one they want to load up big time as well, but they realize pretty quick when they got it too heavy and they only burn themselves once. They realize, oh, okay, I'm in trouble here. Um, so th- for that, it's just making sure that you know they're doing the right things. Um, we don't deadlift too much before a trap bar. We like, I like to do a lot of trap bars. Yep. Um, 
so I won't deadlift too much. Mainly because the way our system works is I might have 25 kids in the gym. I can't watch it deadlift all the time, and you're not going to make everyone deadlift well. So the trap bar, I find, it's, it's a good feedback loop that if they're doing it wrong, they kind of go, oh, my back really just felt weird there. And you kind of go, they kind of hurt. Not that this is good, but if they do it wrong, they like their back gets, we don't use much weight initially. So they realize, oh, my back's sore from that. I'm like, yeah, is that normal? And they go, oh, is it? And I'm like, well, no, not really, it's not. And they kind of go, oh, okay. And that tricks for them, like, okay, we should keep it straight back. Um, so when they get older, say, yeah, we can we can learn the regular deadlift. And then it's just a matter of just, okay, getting used to the bars in front of them. And hopefully by then they've done a heap of RDL. So yeah. they're pretty well on the way with that. Um, but yeah, to answer your question uh, in a very, very roundabout way, uh, I don't see too many that they really stuff up too much continuously. Mm-hmm. I think it's just more of a matter of just keeping on top of, okay, boys, yep. this is what it should look like. This is what it should look like. And girls, for that matter keep going this way, keep going this way and you should be okay and just staying on top of them because they'll always, they'll always like, like all good athletes, they'll always find a way to get around it Yeah. Um, and they'll always find a way to cheat the system so just making sure you, you know, you're staying on top of your coaching, staying you know, with them and saying, all right, boys or at least giving them the lesson of how it can go wrong or saying them, what, this is why we don't want to type thing but yeah, I don't think there's too many that continuously apart from the squats yeah. um, but that probably, that probably falls in line my philosophy of I'm trying to make them as well-rounded as possible and then when they get to that point of knowing, okay, this is when we start chasing other stuff. So, um, yeah, it's probably the biggest one I'll find in the squad. Okay. And then we kind of talked about just how to get the buy-in and some different strategies for that or and, and why it is important for the that age group um, to try and convince them to do strength and conditioning and the importance of it. But then when they do, like, what's uh, so what do you say to a kid that comes to you and wants to load up and isn't ready and his ego is too big to kind of come back down, to kind of find that balance of, you know, understanding his importance and wanting to go all in, but then also understanding the that, he, you know, progress at the right rate or injuries could happen? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think every kid's going to be different. And, that, and this comes down to how, not how good of a coach you are, but how well you can communicate. Um, it's about understanding where the kid's coming from. So again, like we, for a pro athlete, you know, you do your me- you do your medical screening, and for a pro athlete, you kind of know this pro wants to play at a higher level, wants to represent his country, uh, wants the top tier contract. Um, you know, you know what they're kind of looking for, almost without asking them. Um, whereas for kids, it could be it could be anything else. It could be oh yeah, I want to. A lot of it's actually through body. They want to look better. Actually, that, that's quite yeah. prominent now. I find um, rather than so much as being stronger. Yep. Um, some because they want to play a different sport some because they want to jump higher whatever run faster that's all cool um, it's really about understanding where they're coming from um, they might just find like they're actually they, they feel bad because they're weak and that's fine um, that's your job as well you, at, at an adolescent level like whilst you know you will enhance performance by lifting and doing more conditioning um, you need to attend to the psychological side of the kid first mm-hmm. and making sure you know why they're there so you can help guide their training um, so it's, that's really really important is understanding what they want um, and then from there kind of whilst you're probably not going to let them make decisions in terms of their overall programming initially um, if you can get them on that track to understanding why they're doing things um, what you get asked you know I oh, usually through questioning and saying why would we do a squat over a leg press eventually anyway um, why would we do this over that um, and then what would you do in the situation? They kind of give him more and more feedback. It's kind of if you've um, Ashley Jones has a, the four quadrant theory. Um, if you've heard of that at all, um, it's pretty well popularized by his conferences anyway. Uh, I could highly recommend it. But more or less, it's kind of like okay, initially you, you know you're telling them 
then they learn more and they uh, they question you more or less. So then they start thinking for themselves and then they kind of let them kind of make their own kind of thing. Of course, you're probably never going to see that in a six-year cycle in high school. Um, but, you know, if you've got them to at least that third place where, they, you know, they're actually thinking about what they're doing and questioning you as to why, mm-hmm. that's a really good space to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it won't happen with everyone. But I think that's a really, really big part of with adolescent athletes anyway. You need to kind of start understanding why. Kids will take a bit of time, particularly boys, take a bit of time to get to that point in time. But yeah. you need to really make sure like they're, they will be invested if they know what they want and they will fall in and out as teenage boys do. Like They'll just turn up one day and be the, the shittiest kids ever and go, no, nah, stuff you. I don't want to, buy, I want to be with you. Um, but they'll come back in because um, boys do that. Mm. Um, girls, less so. They don't really have the fallout like that. Um, they'll kind of want to more be involved to start with and they'll try and stay true to it, um, which can make it easier and harder in some ways. Uh, but yeah, it's re- it's really about how well you know you want to go there, and often as well you get experience. Like I know I've, the, I've lost count of the amount of kids in this year's year, so I want to jump higher. So all right, man, and then you you, you kind of go through the same spiel a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Like it does, it can get repetitive in some ways, but every case is a little bit different. Like you might find uh, had a few basketballs where just they were just too heavy to jump high, and you say all right, well we're gonna get you stronger as well. But then you, you go to the other side of that, you know, force velocity equation, uh, force mass equation, and say all right. We can increase force, true, or we can decrease mass, mm. um, and we get the same outcome. They, they click that weight, or you know, we could have the kid that wants to jump high, but he's just so weak, or he's just never play, never jumped much before. Um, so, of course, the roots will be different, yeah. but you want the outcomes the same, and they understand why, kind of thing. Um, but that's probably the biggest thing to get your kids involved. You can get why as to how, uh, particularly I find. Uh, in some S&C settings uh, in schools, depending on whether you're a performance school or whether you're a scholarship school or participation school. Uh, we're more a participation school with some performance. We, we don't offer scholarships, so we don't have the kids that have to be there. You've got you to really try and work hard to say, no, nah, this is actually a good time if you invest in it rather than you have to be here because your scholarship or your contract says so or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so if you can create that environment as well where you know everyone has a good time they're, they're going towards their goals that automatically help kids be there because then you'll have that kid's mate or that kid who enjoys it and then that kid's mate goes oh he's having a good time he's doing a lot better maybe I'll come along as well and then they've got mates in there and then he brings his mates and then you kind of get that big circle of okay this is actually you know a good environment to be in and once you have that environment you're still going to work hard to keep it but because you're invested in that one kid learn where he's going and then you've got experience into how to you know Kids might want the same things as well, so you can really help. Even though you might have forty-five different kids in there with different goal, with the same or different goals, you can deal with it pretty well. Um, but I would say that's the biggest thing. If you know why, and that's all athletes, you know why your kids there, what they want to do, um, you'll go that much better. Yeah, and for coach and the athlete, I feel like whereas if the coach um, knows like what 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 he's doing, and then the athlete knows that why the coach is doing that, and then it kind of goes both ways, and it creates pretty mutual. Um, I guess relationship to kind of mm. go progress further. Absolutely, and the best thing is too, like when like this this happens rarely, like especially in a in a youth setting where you get one coming back and say, "Hey, I want to make my own program," and you go, "All right," and you're actually excited because the kid, you know, probably could make his own program, and you go, "All right, well, I'd, let's see what they bring back." And of course, there'll be issues with the program, like mm. they'll put in forty six sets of calf raises because they want bigger calves, or they'll have they'll do their abs first because they'll prioritize that. But, you know, and then you can kind of like, it gets so much easier. Like you guys say, all right, usually we do abs last because it's just, you know, we fatigue everything else first or, mm-hmm. you know, calves probably aren't going to grow that much because, well, they're pretty limited in what they can do. But 
all right, how would you restructure that? And they'll come back with you and new stuff. And that's actually a really rewarding experience when you can get, like, when you get someone, even in any field, like, you know, people, someone you've taught, they come back and try and go for it and you go, oh, this is, this is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So to get that, like, if you're getting that, I reckon you're pretty well on the right track. Mm. And then what if we, let's go over maybe kind of uh, a normal week for your athlete. I know it's going to vary a lot with seasons and sports and stuff, but in general, maybe just kind mm. of, uh, if like uh, how many days a week do you work out how long are they and then i guess through in season off season if you want to just go a little bit of variation on it yeah cool so i'll probably say for our rugby union our rugby union is probably our biggest program um in terms of numbers wise at st edmunds um so for the we'll go to the open squad so the first team so we're talking like you know the best 16 17 18 year olds we've got um you know would have played three or four years now at least or mate a couple have only played one or two but you know with our progression program so Right now, we're coming into our current grade 10s. have had four years straight. Our current 11s have had three years straight. So, they're kind of, you know, coming up. So, they're coming up to be some of the best assets we've got. So, pretty much what we do. So, we play rugby in term two, which is typically April through uh, June, July, depending on how the, the terms worked out. Um, so, it's an eight-week season. We play one trial game in week one of the term, and we play seven games with the other schools we play against. So, we have, it's more or less a seven-game knockout series. Like, if you lose one, more than likely you've lost the premiership. There's no finals, it's straight up. Mm-hmm. So, we need to make sure we pull from the start. Um, and, of course, that ebbs and flows and how much talent you got on your coaching side. But for the athletes, you know, we try and prioritize. Given rugby such a high-collision sport, and the way kids are going now, they're getting so much stronger so much earlier because every school is invested in their S&C programs. Uh, we need to make sure we do the right things. So usually, so we'll start pre-season in term four, the previous year, um, which will start in about September, October. Um, we do have athletics in term three, term four. So if we're, if we're lucky, the kid will do athletics, whether it be a thrower, maybe the forwards, or whether they'll be a sprinter, um, if they're a back, um, tends to help because they get some actual pure strength or pure sprinting, which will help their rugby. Um, so we'll come to that. We'll usually do three sessions a week in terms of the actual strength side. Um, we'll probably do one conditioning session and they'll do one tactical session, mainly because you know they'll go up, they'll go away for the holidays for eight weeks and kind of the you know you can't control kids on holidays. I mean, if, if they go overseas for six weeks on a boat, you know. <laughs> They're not going to not enjoy leaving Hawaii or something like that. They're going to go to something. So you can't really control that. So you kind of go, all right, we'll do what we can. And strength, you know, it'll come back quickly. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're lucky, they won't lose anything because they've had that growth spurt or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we'll do three three sessions there, usually three 45-minute programs because, you know, you got to have to fit in other stuff and you can't keep a kid forever. They're already there for six or seven hours a day. They might have to train for something else. or they've got to ha- And there's got to be an off-season as well. If we're training term four, training term one, playing term two like they only leave term three and then you know they might play another sport they've got to have a life at some point in time and still academics are obviously paramount um so we'll do three sessions uh in term four then we come into term one so we've more or less got nine weeks to kind of get them back ready to go start playing games uh in usually late february early march um we'll start playing games so again that'll be three sessions a week one conditioning and then two tactical out on field. Um, and that'll be for, again, 45-minute gym sessions so we can actually get out on field on the same day. And then we'll find the conditioning some other time. Um, the lifting will probably... Uh, so it's pretty simple. I like to keep it nice and easy. Again, strength movement at the start with some sort of power exposure in superset format. So to give you... So the current program we're doing right now, so we're three weeks away from games right now. So day one, to trap bar, force the trap bar, superset it with a push press. Um, not the heaviness depending on what they're going so we might go set one is six reps then five then three then two or four three two depending on whatever it is push press which is increasing in volume um, then we'll do upper body strength movement so again our first day is uh, 
bench press, bench pull, and we'll go for our four sets, 10, 8, 6, 5. Um, pretty simple loading pattern, not much too much. to get stimulus for the hypertrophy end, and they get stimulus for the strength end as well. Um, then we'll finish off, and this is where the variation comes in position. I find the boys, they need a little bit of variation, but mm-hmm. not that much. There are a lot of body types, but you know, the stronger, the better. Mm-hmm. So forwards will probably do a hip thrust, um, like a hammy, hammy-based movement. Backs will probably do a Nordic, um, whilst both could easily do either. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just more, all right. And the boys kind of feel special when they do their own certain groups as well. So they'll do a Nordic or, a, or an RDL on day one. Then they'll do an ab movement, maybe a power off press, power off rotation, um, or a stir the pot, something like that. Anti-rotation, anti-flexion, something like that. Day two, so we'll go back to the squatting pattern. So we'll do a squat, and this time we're doing like a, we're doing a trap bar jump just for something different for the boys. Um, again, same loading pattern, uh, six, five, four, three, um, and then trap bar jump, two up to five with increasing one rep each week. The strength movement for the upper body will be a dumbbell press with a chin up. Um, so again, got that, that again, 10, 8, 6, 5. And then the last day, so the last tri set, we're using 3A, 3B, 3C to fit it in. Again, it'll be probably a pulling movement just or a neck isolation movement to hopefully hopefully stop some concussion mm. um, in that regard. And then again, two ab movements, maybe a glute ab complex. We might do like a, 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 glute, uh, a single leg glute thrust on a box. Um, with a weight overhead, if they're up to that level, or just there's the strength load thrust, and that'll be with a, maybe like a, a scrum hold type thing against the sled, just trying to hold themselves there and go that way. And then if we can get a third day in, the third day is just sheer volume. So we do like four by 12 with low rest on Bulgarian split squats, barbell RDLs, push ups, ring rows, all that kind of stuff. Just to, you know, if we can, excuse me, if we can get the volume in for a third day if they're available. I mean, if they're already playing sport, they might be playing other sports for the school, so we might only get one or two days. So we've really got to. Make make light while the sun shines, really, mm-hmm. um, and you go that way. And then, so that'll be the whole of term one. Term two, we get into games, so we play. We play Saturdays, so Sunday we won't see the kids because you know that's Sunday's their time. Like they spend all the time with us, and plus sometimes you don't want to see them as well after you saw them for six days. Um, Monday will be a recovery session, so we'll get the boys to come in. They come in the after school. We'll have a bit of a triage session with our physio and boys that are hurt. They'll go see him. And I kind of work a traffic light based system um, because they've got a bit of training history now. They can kind of make their own decisions. Um, so they come in, see how they're going. They just do like their regular sitting. They do their warm up all together. If they've got serious problems, they'll come and see me. Um, sit and reach, need a wall, uh, grip strength. If anything flags, um, we're not going to change the program completely. It might just mean he might need five more minutes to foam roll to get himself right, or he just might need to work on something particular. And it, you can't do everything with an adolescent group. I mean, you've only got X amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they're feeling good, they want it, they, they want to lift. I'll say, all right, cool. Programs as normal. We'll do the strength stuff. We'll do the power stuff. We'll sweet. Uh, if you say, all right, if you're feeling kind of all right, or if you've got like, maybe you got a cork leg, all right, we'll do some upper body, that'll be fine, or if you've got a cork shoulder, do some lower body, that'll be fine, or, and then if your reds are, okay, well, if we, we sort your issue out, or you just jump on a bike for 10, 15 minutes, have a roll, have a stretch, see how we go, and I, I started that last year thinking, oh, I'll see how we go, but it was actually pretty good, so we had probably had about half the squad lifting every Monday, they have a go out and field, have a trot around, Wednesday was their big training day, so we'd have 45 minutes of hard stuff in the gym, so it was more just two supersets, heavy trap bar, unloaded power so maybe a broad jump uh, vert jump something like that nothing too heavy and they do an upper body so bench press bench pull bench press chin up or dumbbell press chin up something like that as well you know four sets not too high reps um, then on Friday morning uh, Friday afternoon so we'd have captain's run before, the day before the game we, I wouldn't do anything there we'd just go out on field 
they'd run through their stuff. And then Saturday will be their game. Um, and then yeah, that lasts for uh, eight-week season. Um, and then, I'm, you know, now we've got a new sport in rugby league coming into the system. So, you know, they play term one, term, uh, term, sorry, term two, term three, you know, after 23 games of a rugby-based code, which is a fair bit, plus the trial games they play. Mm. Um, so that, that would be a season. Um, it's a pretty big season. Like, I think the first time I did it, we had a 32-week block off training which is a lot for one sport at a, you know for a 15 16 year old um this year this last couple of years it's been closer to 20 which is i think more appropriate um particularly as well i mean whilst these guys are you know they, they might want to play footy professionally um which is absolutely awesome you know you need to aspire to that there needs to be some sort of like okay you are a student you need to learn um there are other sports in the world you'll have things that will happen you know, all the things that happens when you, you know, turn 15, turn 16, turn 17, like a lot of things happen in that time emotionally. So um, you need to be aware of that and as well. So, But that's more or less what we go through with our rugby guys. And that's nice. probably a good indication of where the older boys would be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, a lot of variation in that as well. Yeah. So. And, and although that sounds super complex, if you really break it down, you can get a massive amount of benefit if you go with a coach that knows, that knows what he's doing. And you're only really training an hour and a half a week to maybe if you had another 45 minute session in so like you can get yeah. a massive amount of benefit with just you know that little bit of time that you were saying that's right and it's like that's it's a good way you put that too like it really is only an hour and a half a week and if you had a kid that has to come in from again to see a teacher after school or he got in trouble which does happen a fair bit um you know you might lose half an hour that's so really and you think an hour a week in a you know in a, in a big schooling week like that's not much so you're really going to yeah. make your time count. So I don't think you get, warm-ups have got to be good. That's true. But you've got to be realistic of, you know, what can you actually achieve in an hour a week? Like you see some guys floating around, the schoolboy rugby scene particularly, and they've absolutely developed like anything. But, you know, you've got to get a bit lucky genetically and there will be those kids that will just do rugby and that's all they do and they'll go into gym an hour and a half after school. But you can't ask that for everyone because, you know, there's so many things more to yeah. life than that. Um, but yeah, an hour, an hour and a half a week, when you put it like that, it isn't much. So that's why you got you to be really efficient with what you do and know what you're trying to do. Yeah. And do you do anything specifically, I guess, um, with this population, with the high school age, especially in the contact sports? Um, anything? I know you mentioned the, some neck strengthening stuff or there is that research coming out now that it possibly could help reduce some concussions. Um, do you know of yeah. any – or do you do anything else uh, specifically to help so that risk, injury risk reduction, kind of prehabilitation type stuff? Um, no, not, not specifically. It's probably more the fact that you get him strongest when you do enough for him. Um, of course, you've always got your considerations of um, – I, I kind of look at it as, like, you know, you want to develop as much as you can. And often as well, like one exercise would probably be enough for a kid just to give them, you know, enough of a baseline to be ahead of the curve. Um, you're not going to stop everything. You know, we still see ACLs in almost, you know, all of their grades. You still see the broken yeah. bones. Um, yeah. There are, well, I think the, the, the next strength ones, particularly the isometric next strength and just next strength in general is probably the one that I'd probably take more into programs. I've been doing it for rugby for a couple of years now. Um, and this is like as simple as okay, we're going to do a ten-second hold with a band against like against the pole, just holding statically, you know, uh, twice a week. Like it's not much, but it's still something that's definitely going to help. Um, so I've been using it with rugby, rugby league for a while. I brought it into football this year uh, as soccer boys, and they've you know they've enjoyed it. Um, basketball, we've done a little bit with it as well, isometric stuff, just to kind of you know, like concussions are becoming so prevalent now, and you know yeah. if we're 
I would be lying and to say like we don't have them at our school. And I, I personally think already this has helped. And we lot, you know, when you don't have the biggest depth of playing group, you want to do everything you can to make sure you avoid things like if you can help avoid a concussion, it just more of a head knock to a concussion on that continuum. Yeah, that's definitely going to help. Um, of course, you know, you still it's really important to teach them, you know, the jumping and landing mechanics early on. But again, like, because they're so young, they probably don't have much else otherwise to rely upon in terms of landing patterns and motor patterns. Mm-hmm. So you probably can actually, you know, if you spend five minutes in a warm-up just going over a landing pattern and then just kind of reinforce it twice a week just by doing it in a warm-up for the best part yeah. of half a year, that's we're going to stick pretty well. Um, and they go out on field and they start doing that as well. And it's it's not like you're getting these guys that have come through 15 years of sport and then trying to hit, all right, you land poorly. So that's, yeah, that's why you're having your ACLs, which is probably not going to happen anyway. But, uh, you know, you don't have to go back and reverse all that time. So, it's more just exposing yeah. the kids to a lot of different movements. So, we do Nordics pretty early on with all mm-hmm. of our guys in grade 9, grade 10. Not so much because it prevents hamstring injuries, which, you know, it probably does to a, a strong extent. But if you pair that with an art, being able to RDL well, single leg RDL, um, you can do a Swiss ball hamstring curl, if you know the knee-based stuff, and you can do a Nordic. Well, you know four exercises already that are teaching most of that hamstring complex how to move properly and how to be strong. Um, and as well, like, is it going to hurt doing a Nordic? Yeah, it'll hurt at the time. It'll maybe hurt three days after, but that's still a skill they've been exposed to, and they're going to have that strength for at least a little bit while they're doing it. Um, so I think if you can kind of, like, in most of your youth programs anyway, they, if you expose them to a lot, they will learn a lot, and they'll have that movement pattern pretty much down if they do it frequently enough, and then it's just a matter of strengthening it up. Um, for various populations so no not really there isn't too much special I do like you can look at isometrics uh, in a little bit for kids that have you know those tendon issues with severs and osgood sliders they work pretty well Um, eccentrics as well but again like nothing too out there it's more just good solid strength whole round programming and making sure they're strong as strong as many planes as possible um, is probably the best way of putting that so yeah I, I don't think there's too many youth practitioners that do anyway because um, it's so hard to like kids could come in one day and learn no squat no say no um, injuries sore leg oh yeah it's good tomorrow like oh it's good next day things like that so it's yeah I don't think there's anything really too strong apart from kids apart from just teaching them how to do everything and do everything well and that'll probably cover most of your issues there yeah yeah and then so if so kind of taking it from a little bit different angle if some uh, kid was to come in that did have some sort of injury and um, he has some sort of rehab program he's going through, but you're still going to try and keep him in the best shape as possible to do the sport. Like, I feel like some kids do that when they get injured, like, oh, I'm done. I can't exercise for X amount of days or I can't do anything. Like, mm-hmm. what do you say to that um, kid to show him, like, hey, like, you can still work around this. We can still keep you in the best shape as possible while you fix that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, that's, that's a good point you raise as well. So we get a lot of um, if you don't have a good physio around or a physical therapist around, um, a lot of the kids will just go, oh, I went to the doctor and my back hurts. He said rest for two weeks. Oh, that's just that's the dumbest thing you could do possibly. Like, you know, <laughs> you need to do something. So we often find we get a lot. Yeah. Broken bones are pretty common, particularly around the winter months with the rugby yeah. codes. Um, so, you know, teaching them like, hey, look, if you use, like often they break their dominant arm as well. So, you know, if you can get two or three weeks of, you know, just learning to use your non-dominant arm, um, for a kid and teaching them that you know you actually get a bit of strength gains from it or and it could be a good time to do as well they don't think about unilateral work that much they think oh single leg stuff now stuff that that looks weird but it can actually be a good time for them to learn that kind of stuff um, yeah 
So yeah, learning, teaching, and that's with all athletes too, like teaching to use like injury isn't just a time, like it's not just a problem. Like, hey, sure, you're in pain a bit, but it can be an opportunity to do other things. You know, you could work on some other skills with your non-dominant hand. You could uh, work on some strength things that you don't have time to in your regular program. Um, you could work on some conditioning on them with the right injury. Or it could give you a chance to go back and revisit some stuff that they maybe didn't quite get at the start or mm. address some recurring issues, you know, if they've got those recurring problems or likely to have those recurring problems. Hopefully, they don't have any recurring problems to start with. Um, but, it, you know, teaching them and you know, educating them on that, you know, we can actually do a lot of stuff here and, and enlightening their world and go, hey, we can do a lot. Um, and then, you know, give them time to do other stuff as well. So, but yeah, like, that's a good point. Like, I know we had a, we had a pretty bad knee injury of one of our basketballers. And so that gave us time to really, like, he was a long, long kid. Like, you know, I'm talking like ridiculous yeah. 6'10 long, real early on too. Um, you know, so of course his upper body strength was nothing. He wasn't a thick, a thick kid. So, um, that gave us tight he had an injury. We couldn't do anything wild body, realistically. Like, it was just initially on. So, all right, let's do upper body. And so, we managed to get... He's still not the strongest upper body player now, but, you know, the upper body strength now has served him well that, you know, he's more and less competing upper body-wise and his legs are now stronger than anyway. Um, so, you get that time to look at it. And that's the same as pro athletes as well. Like, you know, they get an injury. You know, you might get an ACL um, at 21, 22. That can be time to learn some skills from something else or spend some time doing some research or some study or, you know, you get that, you just need to get that time to do something else and, and just remain, it's, you know, it's not the end of the world. Like, it's a broken leg, it'll heal in six weeks. Like, you'll be, you'll be yeah. fine, don't worry. Um, mm. And keeping that perspective for them as well. Yeah. And I guess just, I think it was a really good episode. And if you just want to either summarize kind of, uh, I guess, advice you have to the youth athlete um, or go over something that we did miss, um, either one of those mm. to wrap it up here. Yeah, yeah. I think the best the best couple of ways to think about youth athletes and, you know, they're not they're not many adults. You know, they've got their own special set of skills and, um, you know, they're going through that grind process. You just got to be really aware of where, you, where your athletes are at and just be reasonable with them. And, you know, they're kids. They're going to get angry. They're going to get tired. They're going to get crazy. Um, so you just got to go with that and just roll with it and go, hey, it's all right. Because more than likely, they blow up at you the next day. They'll come in and not, not give a crap about it. Like, you'll think, oh, they blew up yesterday? Whatever. All right, cool. Um, so, yeah, just just remember they're not, they're not adults. They're not small adults. They need to be treated as such. Um, but it's your job and your responsibility to give them the best possible chance, whether that whether they're the most unco kid possible and they're never going to be that the star player. But you've got to do everything you can to make sure they get the best chance because if you, you know, hold back on something or just go, oh, fuck, do I stuff this? Like, you know, this kid's just too hard. Um, you know, you could potentially be denying them a chance to get and do what right. So they deserve the force of attention. And making sure, if you can make sure they have all the skills necessary when they come out, so they can just go, they can just float into a college program or a pro program and go, oh, yeah, cool. This kid moves well, this kid does all the stuff right, it's just about teaching him the skills, then you've done your job. And as well, it's probably going to be a thankless task as well, because they're probably not going to come back and thank you later on. They might, if you're lucky, but there's a strong chance you may never see them again. They'll watch go on their pro career and they won't think too much about it, but you'll know as well, you worked with them, and that'll feel really, really good. Um, and yeah, but yeah, more if you can remember those two things, you'll probably be on the right path, I would think. Cool. Well, thank you, thank you very much for being on. If you want to um, tell some people where they can follow you, if you um, want to reshare your content, um. yeah, cool. Um, well, I'm not a massive, massive uh, contributor on the Twitter sphere, but I'll try and have my point from time to time. So hit me up on Twitter, it's uh, it's just Sam Joseph SC, uh, which is one big word, uh, Instagram. It's just Sam Joseph ninety four. Uh, it's one word. Um, yeah, Facebook works as well. Just search my name. 
Uh, email um, Sam Joseph at live live dot com dot au. Um, but yeah, or at LinkedIn as well. Uh, if you just see me floating around, feel free to ask questions. I'm happy to have people and talk all things S and C and sports science. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Paddy. Thanks for having me, mate. It's been great to be here and have a chat. No problem. Thanks again.